I think today we'll um, just have um, some questions and responses um, rather than, as I said, rather than give you more material. You've got enough to work with and work on for a while. Um, or rather, I, I don't want to overwhelm you more. So maybe just a couple of things before we open it up. Um, well, just a general thing to say. Remember what I said about the hindrances, right? They're going to come, in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> They're going to come and go. The whole thing is like this. The whole thing is like this. What do we want in relation to the hindrances? We want to be working on them. Antidotes, what can I try? The same creativity, the same responsiveness, the same awareness and sensitivity, working on them when they come. But we also want, in terms of the wisdom, we want not to take them personally. It doesn't mean my practice has now forever fallen through the floor into the hell realms and I'll be stuck here forever. It doesn't mean I can't do this. It doesn't mean uh, you're a failure. It doesn't mean any of that. Really, really important because when the hindrance is around, they're like little poisons and they poison the mind and the mind starts believing all kinds of things, and um, particularly about the self, about one's practice, etc. So we really need to kind of keep the keep the view screwed on right with them. Really, really important. And recognize that this is a hindrance. It's a hindrance. Self-doubt is a hindrance. I can't do this. M m it's doubt. It's a hindrance. Okay. Um, and when they come, they make us prone to believing all kinds of things. All kinds of things about someone else, about Gaia House, about ourselves, about the retreat, about life. Uh, you know, whatever. They really are like, like a, like a, you know, poison dart, fire, and then it spreads in the bloodstream, and everything gets caught up and 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 toxified through that, and the whole every the whole way we look at look at things. So, um, not to take them personally, and not to believe the stories they spin. Okay. So hindrance in itself is just is is more a kind of very uh, base level, uh, or, or I mean, very um. It's kind of at the, at the uh, it's not at a complex level of the mind. It's a, it's a very basic level of the mind. When we're not careful, the complex story-making, world-building levels of the mind get, c get infected by the hindrances. And th that's papancha, then we go bonkers. So over time, over time, the papancha bit, w we learn to wean that off, to refine it off the hindrances. And a hindrance just becomes more and more like just a, just a bit antsy. Or whatever it is, it's the basic, the, the 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 yeah, the basic energy of it. Without it proliferating, which is what papancha means, proliferation, proliferating to these other levels. But they will come and go. So, on the scale of things, how you feel right now, and some of you will be flying, and some of you will be really not flying, and feeling this or that. It, it's just part of the up and. If you're up, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> and if you're down, guess what? And if you're in the middle, guess what? You know, so this is, it's like, it, it takes a while to get used to this. But if you, if you were to do like a really long chana retreat, it's, 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 it's so obvious, it becomes so obvious that we, our whole relationship to it becomes, uh, we have a different perspective, much more spacious perspective. Yeah, of course we prefer the hindrances to not be there. Of course. But the whole added sense of, oh, this is terrible, I'm terrible, all that stuff it just it just goes more and more so that's that's kind of what we're aiming for with the hindrances a little bit um 
Okay, so let's open it up to some questions. Um, and I said, you know, questions that feel relevant to your practice, wherever that is right now. So wha whatever you're working on, whatever you're, uh, I keep forgetting that phrase, le learning, learning edge playground. Um, or something I've said about the bigger picture, that maybe, that, well, how does that fit together or whatever. Um, I actually had a question I could start with. Um, but why don't we? I'll, c I'll come. I'll come back to. It. I'll remember this from Andy, wherever Andy is. There you are. Um, maybe, maybe we'll come back to that. If that's okay. Yeah. So, an anything, please, anyone. Now I can't see. Is that Lauren? It is Lauren. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me just repeat the. If I understand it, um, that Lauren's uh, noticing a, a sort of cyclic pattern of over-efforting, and, and when that pattern is there, it's very convincing to believe that you have a, a really major problem with that, with getting stuck in over-efforting, and that you need to back way off. And um, wh what's the question then? That, that Okay, so needing some moral res moral support and and some skillful ways of working with it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, moral support. I mean, I don't know if it helps you, but um, <laughs> I've you know it's certainly a pattern that I can relate to. Um, certainly a pattern I can look back over the. I have to remember how old I am. Um, over the last. Thirty-six years, and say, yeah, I've really been in that in different ways, in different um, modalities of, of practice, and really, um, yeah, in in, in uh, all kinds of levels, and and felt like I was stuck there, or felt like it was a real personality problem, and and all that. Um, so I don't know if that makes you be feel better or worse, but. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I look back at all that and feel, I, I feel like for myself that, yeah, it, 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 there was a lot of cost to it in different ways. There has been a lot of cost to it in different ways, but there's been, there's been more blessing than cost. I'm glad that I have, you know, so over-efforting, you know, may come from a really deep love and a really deep desire and a really deep um, yearning for something. And these are all really, really beautiful qualities. And if you have something like that, then you have, um, sometimes say, say to someone, I'm actually saying it to someone else who's here, um, it's like you've been given a, a really powerful horse to ride and you have to learn how to handle that horse. And you could have been given a little, uh, you know, one of those, I don't know if you've been to Dartmoor and seen those little ponies. <laughs> They're very different kinds of animals. And handling one and handling the other, it's like, so there's a, there's a tremendous gift here, but it's also, it takes longer to learn how to handle it. Yeah, does it make sense? So um, that's one thing. It, it, you know, it, it really can be learned, okay, the, in terms of how, how to harness the power of that and how to let that, um, that willingness to really uh, give yourself in effort and apply yourself and bring your intensity and bring this, what I was talking about, this cohesion of mind and energy and desire and let that really gather power. When we're talking about soul power and all that, um, th it, it, 
it's a really great gift and it takes time to learn how to let those things come together in a way that they're actually balanced and, and it works. So it's not, it's not a small deal, it's a big deal. And as I've said in here, anyway, the whole question of effort is going to be around for everyone's, in everyone's practice for the rest of their lives. For any serious practitioner, you bump into it. And I would say any really serious practitioner is also going to find it really painful at time. It's not just the effort, it's also the wanting. So there's an energetic side to over-effort. I do this and something... Did I share in here? I can't remember. You know, if I think back to the late 80s, um, what I said about that shaking movement stuff, you know, I, I had a really long period of being stuck in that and it got incredibly wacky. I mean, it looked, it was just bonkers. Uh, you know, and I was 21 or 22 and whatever it was. Um, and of course, I was just really trying really hard. The teachers at that time had no idea what it was. It, it got really, really uh, intense and very weird in terms of its manifestations. Went on for a long time. Looking back now, I see that the principal causal factor there was slight over-efforting. So there's an energetic side of this, and we really need to ha learn how to handle that. And this, it can have very gross effects, or you can just feel like completely something just locks or, or something. Or it can have this kind of weird, uh, kind of it looked like I was just completely a raving lunatic. Um, but it has quite marked effects, or it can it can be it can have very subtle effects. Like I said, it's just a little bit too much effort, and there's just it actually creates it stimulates the mind to think more and to get slightly distracted more. Like it's relatively speaking quite a subtle effect. But anyway, everyone's going to have to deal with um, with subtle uh, with the question of effort, you know. And I'll share something else. You know, I remember being on long retreats here and. Uh, just in terms of wanting something so badly and not being able to find the answers and, and being so, uh, finding that so difficult, you know, in tears. I didn't have, felt like I didn't have anyone to ask or anyone who would give me answers that would satisfy. So it can be, it can be intense when we really give ourselves to something. It can be really intense. To me, it's still a good sign. It's just saying, okay, you've got a powerful horse you've been given. Let's learn to ride this, you know. Um, so I would have to hear a bit more, Lauren, about what's going, what ways you're feeling stuck and how what you mean by backing way off. So when we talk about working with effort, we've got a huge range. And one is backing way off, which means that just stop meditating. Stop whatever you're, sometimes it's a fretting about a question, sometimes it's energetic. Just take half a day off and go for a walk. Okay, that's pretty rare, but that would be backing way off, for example. Um, or backing way off can can look like, I'm, I'm I'm just sitting here, but I'm going into a very different mode uh, in terms of my relation with whatever the principal object I'm working with, whether it's PT, whether it's breath, or, or whatever it is. Or it might mean going to an insight practice for a while, but I've still got my mind, I, I'm still doing samadhi, that's my intention. I'm just taking this kind of detour into a practice I know brings a lot more ease, and, uh, and uh, it's, it's within a much larger context, you know. Or it could be finding uh, a, an imaginal um, image that you've worked with in the past that has been helpful in this relation. You know, that's not really in terms of samadhi practice. Again, Newton Abbott can then become, you know, not just PT, it can become w whatever it becomes. There are lots of ways there. And if it looks like, well, right now I'm headed in the wrong direction to Newton Abbott, 
it might look like that, but in the bigger picture, it really doesn't, you know, it, it's really not. If you go into some imaginal thing that kind of changes your whole relationship with being on retreat and what you're doing, that might be really exactly what's needed. It looks like a detour. It looks like you're given up. So maybe you haven't. Some part of your consciousness is, is you know, firmly got the intention and the navigation and, and, and where you're going in mind. And it's just very skillful, skillful to go off into something else for a while. Does that make sense? Um, do you want to say a bit more about the specifics or is it better something to work with one-to-one -one in the interview, do you think? Okay. Okay, so um, if I understand, so there's fear. Excuse me. There's fear in the in the larger picture that you'll you know you've been asked or told to wait back way off, and maybe that same thing will happen on this retreat, and we'll say don't meditate, and maybe even maybe it's better if you go back home, or whatever, um, at that scale. Um, to to address that first, I um, I'm so I d I'm uh, I've very rarely done that as a teacher. I I would be extremely surprised if that's that wouldn't be my usual way of of uh, teaching. So I don't I don't think that's going to happen on this retreat. Um, in terms of uh, grabbing at the PT, so the other thing you said was um, so well the other th before we get there, the the, the th you know the fear is not a neutral factor. It's not like this thing is happening and the fear is not is there but it's not affecting anything yeah so th the fear actually is quite when fear is present and when it's strong fear it's doing something you know so when we talk about part of these what look like detours it might actually be like working with the fear um, in different ways so we can also t maybe talk about that in an interview yeah but it sounds like the fear at this point is uh, strong enough and kind of prominent enough and probably having quite some effects that that itself needs needs working with it needs understanding something in you needs reassuring you need to be able to kind of diffuse the power of the fear it's it's energy and it's kind of contraction and the kind of uh, the belief in the thinking so there's you know different parts to fear as i said there's energy there's the the, the, the cognitive component what we're believing that we're afraid of and um and the contraction so one thing is to work with again we can meet we can meet in an interview with one of us and really really go into that actually work in real time with with the fear yeah because that's as i said it's not it's not just oh it happens it happens to be there it's not a neutral factor it's doing something and almost certainly what it's doing is not helpful um in the mix um in terms of the when there's PT grabbing at the PT, okay, this is this is really quite common to some d degree. I think I mentioned it uh, briefly in one in one of the talks. Um, you know, the Buddha took the trouble to say exactly that. Why would he say that? Just partly because he must have encountered it a lot as as a teacher, is my guess. So it's normal. Um, two things that uh, just for now and then I, th I think it would be good to meet one-to-one -one, but let me just say two things for now so one is um are, is there access at times to lovely states n not necessarily jhani but lovely states sort of um other than the pt that are much softer or warmer or a bit more expansive or something like that yeah Um, so, okay, so at times you're able to ask the question what's pleasant and find a kind of mild pleasantness, yeah? And does that mild pleasantness have a kind of quality of 
softness to it because PT can sometimes also be a bit intense and that's also sometimes part of the issue yeah it does so so that's good you know th- the softness itself is not a neutral factor it's softening something that's the thing about jhanas this this whole thing about marinating resource what whatever the jhanic quality is it then affects the chitta and the body so if there's something soft and warm and maybe even soothing that's lovely then actually hang out in that you know and uh take your time with this you know hang out in that feel that touching the heart touching the body touching the the, the consciousness etc sometimes you may want to then put the fear in that yeah take the fear the idea that you've had and put it in the middle of that whatever your language would be of this soft warm yes space and just see what that does you know put the two in the difficult and the lovely into contact with each other yeah other times and you don't need to rush this you could see if you can hang out in that soft soft place and 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 really um the second thing i want to say all this uh, with all this is is snatching is this kind of movement okay and it feels like although it looks like a movement that i'm doing it feels like you're not it feels to you right now that you're not in control of it the mind is just grabbing beyond your will um is it possible that that the more sunbathing posture is um is is can you can spend a lot more time there so both with the softness and then uh, i think i think that that's quite key to go into that and practice that posture so that become that stance that poise with with uh, what's lovely over time that just becomes maybe that resets the habit you understand so the habit is not so much immediately to grab forward but it's also to to soak it up which is a very um or much less doing let's put it much less doing so you're training the habits so that they become more equalized and eventually you will have autonomy because they're equal pos- they're equally uh, available possibilities they've both been practiced equally and therefore you can begin to choose yes and with that then you can really soak up that soft whatever it is let's not even worry whether it's jhanic or not jhanic it doesn't matter it's it's a skillful state you want to be f- tuning into the very softness the warmth the healing there's something that reassures the whole system the whole nervous system the whole m- the mind eventually yeah. but you're really just lapping it up like like really soft gentle water just lapping uh, over the being you understand um and then when when you've got used to that at times maybe then you can see if the pt can come up and you have the same stance poise in relation to the pt so it's more this and and when it goes out of that you know see if you can the, the mind might quickly want to sort of panic a little bit oh h- here it is again my overefforting and all that stuff very quickly gets ignited but if i can just keep can i keep bringing it back to this more open receptive sunbathing showering uh, poise relationship mode of attention yeah so you also have to think about your 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 retraining um the 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 kind of again it's a very sort of basic level of the mind in terms of the the sankharas do, doing that or you know that grabbing movement is a very sort of base level mind movement and and so retraining often happens just um by over and over and over over and over and over doing something different when we notice it dissol- you know diffusing that by doing the opposite diffusing that by doing the opposite so partly just knowing that's what you're doing uh, it will come up this habit will come up you know it, you're going to encounter it so many times you can't count it's like okay can i 
not freak out and just, is it possible to just switch the mode, you know, in that moment? Um, and let's see how that goes. But come, come for a, well, you'll have a meeting with one of us soon anyway, but let's, let's br bring that to the interviews because there's lots of, you know, it gets very individual. There's lots of detail here that there's sort of so much depends on mi micro moments and micro choices at, at a kind of subtle level. Yeah. But how, how does that sound for now? Yeah. Okay. That's really good. Good. Good, good. Mm. Mikhail, yes. Uh, so Mikhail uh, is asking, uh, hadn't heard much about the absorption, which I mentioned as one of the uh, elements of this sassy, and um, thought he would try, try that, try focusing on that, and pick the second jhana, or that's where your playground is anyway, okay. And um, and said, okay, let's see if I can get absorbed, and and then did indeed after a bit of work find find himself very absorbed in this state, very deep state. But the happiness he noticed at some point had gone, and also any sense of energy body experience. So if I ask you, well, what was prominent in your consciousness at that point? No happiness, no energy body. What was it? Okay, um, so yeah, this is definitely possible. There's two possibilities really within that. So one is that we, um, what happens is, um, the the mind does get more absorbed, more concentrated, whatever we say, and actually goes beyond the second jhana into, into either into a uh, a less fabricated state. So I'm going to have to explain this at more length. I've mentioned it a couple of times, but um, and it's no, there's no longer the fabrication of the perception of happiness. So it might have gone into something like the fourth jhana, where there isn't the, the fabrication of percep perception of happiness. Nor, uh, and then it might have gone even beyond that. As you say, it was quite vast and empty. It might have gone into the beginnings of one of the formless jhanas. No body sense, no dominant emotional sense, really, apart from kind of stillness. Um, or it might have gone into something akin to that that isn't, strictly speaking, one of the classical jhanas, but it's in that sort of territory. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's very possible, but if you want to practice, this is why I said, I think I said yes, if you want to practice this or that jhana, I need to know what's the factor in it that's, that's the most important. Yeah? And, and in the second jhana, it's happiness. Unquestionably, it's happiness. For, for me, at least that's the way I would emphasize things. It's not even the fact that I there's no thinking or whatever, that's secondary, and I'll come t back to that when we talk about the second jhana, but it's the happiness. Now, within the second jhana, the quality of the happiness, the, uh, as I said, jhanas are not one uniform experience. Not like the second jhana is like this, this every time. You could take a snapshot and it's just the same thing. There's a whole range within the second jhana. So you get a very bubbly kind of happiness and a much, much stiller happiness. Part of the art of really learning the second jhana is knowing that getting to know that territory, but also learning to keep the mind focused and fed by the happiness. Yeah. So what can happen, because it gets more subtle within that range, 
the mind is actually not quite able to stay, it hasn't been trained in staying with that more refined object, that happiness. And it might, because of past experience, be actually more trained with staying with a big empty space, you know, even though technically speaking that's less refined, you know, that's uh, even le more refined. So what partly what you can think of what you're doing in each jhana is training yourself to really stay with and really absorb in the primary nimitta of that jhana, jhana over its range. So what that means, and, th and then the other thing is that in the first four jhanas, that means, uh, you know, happiness is an emotion, it's a mental uh, quality, but you really want to feel it in your body as well. So this double aspected, um, double aspected nature of the primary nimitta is actually quite important in the second, uh, second, third, and fourth jhanas, particularly. So you do want. It's like if, if you say to, if you stopped a guy on on in the street in Newton Abbott and just said, uh, you know, and uh, I don't know, m asked him to think of something that made him happy, and then. Um, so can you focus on that happiness? It would be the strangest thing. Most people would say, how do I focus on happiness? You know, So we, we're actually learning to do that. And part of what helps, and part of any way, what is the nature of the jhana, because it's a rupa jhana, is that we feel the happiness, and we focus, we feel the happiness in the energy body, as well as in the mind. But what we're focusing on is the energy body experience of happiness, as well as the mental. That has to be there. So that we, if, you, if you're saying, okay, my job is, my playground is now the second jhana, I really have to keep it within those bounds. And for all kinds of historical reasons, it might want to slip out of it. The mind wants something deeper. The mind is just used to going to big open spaces, whatever. But I have to keep bringing it back. And, and in terms of the happiness, you know, the, the intensity of the happiness, as well as its subtlety, can vary. So sometimes in the second jhana, you're, you're really talking about, you know, this over, over, you know, uh, upsurge of joy it's almost overwhelming and sometimes you're talking about almost like it feels like you know this underground spring that the buddha was talking about is really that the subtlest thing it's the subtlest thread that you're paying paying attention to and your job if that's your territory is how can i keep paying attention to that and and by paying attention to it i keep it in that in that realm yeah does this all how does this all sound Exactly, yeah. The subtlety of the attention was probably not enough to stay with the subtlety of sukha as it got more subtle. subtle yes. In, in sure. Uh, and you're probably more used to that silence a little bit in different forms. Again, there's a habit of mind. It's just created a groove there. It's great. It's not we're saying you're never going to, we don't want you ever going there ever in your life. We're not saying that. We're just saying, okay, this is my playground. This is eventually we want you to have everything, everything all the toys and all the swings and everything. Um, so, but, but it takes a certain training for when the happiness gets subtle, can I keep it on that subtle happiness without it sliding somewhere else? You know, and that, that's a training. In terms of what you said about backing out, yeah, so you can back right out, open your eyes, that's, that's great, well done, you know, and then you come back again. In time, you can do it much more subtly than that. You know, you can remember back a certain happiness that you can pay attention to and then just do it do it again you know but you have to have enough experience with the happiness to be able to remember it back you know call it back or if you're familiar with the first jhana you can go back to the first jhana rather than opening your eyes and all that go back to the first jhana there's definitely by definition um 
the the bodily experience in the first jhana that's more gross, you know, because the first jhana is more is m- less refined, more gross than the second jhana. So you find that, hang out in that for a while, and then see if it goes again by itself, or you can just encourage it to go. Yeah. So this kind of maneuvering, um, as you meet different. Uh, difficulties, that's all part of the art of it. Oh, back up into a, a lower jhana, sometimes even go, go forward and then come backwards, you know, which we'll, we'll talk about. D- yeah? But, yeah, well done. That's great. That's great. Let me read um, Andy's note. Is it is okay, Andy? If I uh, The chitta wants to move toward peacefulness, towards peacefulness, a deep, delicious, beautiful, dark, juicy peacefulness rather than piti or sukha, which have been around. I've been working with the peacefulness just as recommended, sassy, etc., and will continue to do this as it feels like what the mind, heart really wants. There was such a sense of relief when I let it. Is there anything else I should con- Is there anything else I should consider or do on this front, on this point, something like that? Um, yeah. You know, just take these as well. Um, so, the w- each is a part of the uh, part of the work play you want to do is get used now to that peacefulness. Okay, actually, let me ask you a question first. Is it? Would you also say it's um, it, it's got love in it? Okay. Love and grace. It's, it has got love and grace in it. Would you say it has a tenderness to it? Okay, it's got tenderness. Would you say it has a kind of emotional warmth then, almost by implication it does? Yes. Okay, tick, tick, tick. Okay, good. So it sounds to me like we're in the right territory. Fab. Great. Um, so what you want to do is let's l- let yourself go. The mind really does have, it's like it wants to go somewhere. And, and partly this is dependent on your past experience. You know, a lot of sitting in... T- different places and all that. So, yeah, let it go. Let let that be your primary playground even now. And your job then is to really know that territory inside out. And to me, there's quite a lot to discover about the third jhana. Things start to get really quite interesting then in terms of the different aspects and levels of it. So rather than me tell you what to look for, let's you just hang out there with the awareness, with the sensitivity, noticing what changes, and, and then you can report back and one of us can t- talk about it, yeah? Second thing is there's also, what would you say, particular challenges, particular subtle difficulties that are particular to each jhana. And there's some that start to arise in the third jhana. Also, obviously, some really beautiful stuff that starts there, but some particular challenges that arise. And again, rather than me tell you what they are, y- you, you'll begin to encounter them as well. Oh, sometimes this happens and I wasn't quite sure what to do or whatever it is. Or I did this happened and I figured out what to do, whatever. So those are two things to, to, to watch out for as you're getting to know, c- to know that. However, given the context of what we're doing, we've got this grid of the elements of mastery and then th- all the jhanas. How are you doing with first and second? Awfully. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the first and second jhana have been terrible and um, not. Ec- well, pe- what's that? 
not even their piti and sukkah have been there, but first and second jhana is, is just a blocked, uh, a, a dead, a, a, a no-three road. It just doesn't go there. And, and then a lot of hindrances started to come and difficulty. And then, and then there was a sense that the mind wanted to go to peace. So this sense of where the mind wants to go, this is also part of the territory of long-term jhana practice. And you know, some people have a style of practicing jhanas. It's just I sit down and I just see where the mind wants to go and I just follow that. So I'm going to say, yeah, that's great. That's part of great. And we also want to say, again, back to the horse analogy, it's like you sometimes just get on a horse. I don't know, do you ever get on a horse and just see where it wants to go? Does that? <laughs> no, peop- no, serious, qu- maybe it's a stupid question, but <laughs> Kirsten, do you, does one ever do that? Yeah, okay. Um, so that's a, possibi- a possible relationship with a horse ride. Um, but, m- you know, we also want the ability to, no, I want to go, you know, I want to go to the bingo hall or whatever it is. So, um, <laughs> um, so we want that control. And sometimes, so sometimes, you know, I, I'm a bit, you know, often my answers to questions is, should I do this or this? It's like, yes, both. Um, we want to have this range. And so sometimes I just let go of control. Sometimes I, uh, no, I, I want to have the, the, the choice and the mastery. So, um, so it, it, but, but here, here's one of these, this is interesting, this is the reason why I chose to re- read this out, is that because what might be needed here, it was, okay, in the long term, I do want the mastery of the first and second. But how I get there might be different. And it might well be that actually taking the third right now as your learning edge playground, really getting to know that and really hanging out in that, that's your priority, okay. After you've been sitting in the third and you're just like feeling really, really nice from it, then see sometimes if you can go back, backwards from the third. By that point, the mind has got a lot of what it wants. Yeah, in in, a, in that particular scene, it's drunk from that particular beautiful well. Yeah, it's had its submerging, uh, refreshing dunk in that in that spring. Yeah, and then it's much more amenable to going to going back. Y- you understand? And it might be you. You'll have to see. Maybe it goes right back to the, you know. You just have the intention to go back to the PT. Maybe it's the sukkah. So you go back to the sukkah. Might be even easier because it's it's. Yeah, very good. So, exactly. First of all, the third jhana has sukkah in it, um, and so it's easier to get to you know sense of the sukkah. And secondly, um, the the mind is just much. Here's where my horse riding, and I'm really stretching my horse riding. The horse hasn't been uh, given the right water to drink. How's that? <laughs> What's that? The right food to eat, yeah. Once it has, it's satisfied and it will go. If it knows the food's that way that it likes, the carrots are that way, and you want to go to bingo, and there's no, they won't let the horse in the bingo hall, then, then um, you know, once you give it the carrots, it's happy to go to the bingo hall, yeah? So that's one thing. It's also, as you said, the, the happiness is closer to, to the... Um, now, it might be that you just remember the happiness and it comes back. Another little trick you can... Well, actually, if the happiness is there, it's fine. Sometimes people can't get back to the happiness, and then we would we would offer something else. But I'll leave that for now. Um, and then from the happiness, you can just uh, remember. In, in the second jhana has sukha and piti, and the first jhana has sukha and piti. So you're just kind of, in a way, um, 
slightly shifting what you're bringing out of the mix, but again, attuning to a quality in the mix amplifies it. I amplify the sukkah in the second jhana, amplify the piti in the first. And then, and then going back to that again will be uh, much, much easier and, and the mind will be more amenable to that. Does that sound okay? Yeah, please. Yeah, that, well, no, not in the next few days. Marinate in that, that's your primary playground. But as you've already tried, as you've already reported, the, the happiness that, that's prominent in the second jhana is already available after you've marinated for an hour or two hours or whatever it is, right? So that at, towards the, after you feel like I've had a good, long, lovely, refreshing drink of the peacefulness, then try to come back in the happiness. But at the moment, um, you can, spend less, much, much less time in the happiness and the PT and let the third, the, the peacefulness be really where you're hanging out the most, yeah? Eventually we want to, un look, no, I don't think there'd be anyone who said um, the first jhana is a better experience than the third jhana. I mean, un unquestionably the third jhana is, is lovelier. M maybe there's someone, but it, it would be pretty unusual. So there's no arguing with that. But what we do want is a sense eventually that Gosh, they're all lovely. They're just lovely in different ways. And even the PT, which relatively speaking is gross, it's like it's really a treasure, you know. So somehow, somehow, whichever way we arrive at it, we want to get back or get, if you haven't had it before, a sense that, yeah, the first jhana is a really lovely place. The PT is a, a, lovely, a lovely thing. I have a really good relationship with it, yeah. So we're just kind of finding which, which way will help that help you get to that being the case. Does that make sense? So, okay, very good. Very good. Anything, please, yeah. Oh, shall we try that? Yeah, let's try that, if you're happy to do that. Yeah, please. So I, I've been on a bunch of insight retreats and never deliberately spent time cultivating jhanas and uh, I believe I'm one of a few people who've experienced third and maybe fourth jhana as a result of just um, relaxing in the midst of an insight retreat and the mind wanting to go to a very peaceful place uh, in all of the experiences of jhana on and off of retreat uh, first of all I've never really verified this with anyone but it tends to have a flavor of um, like the floor kind of goes out from under me and I drop into a, into a, a place that's very different from normal. Um, and, uh, sometimes incredibly peaceful, sometimes incredibly blissful. Uh, so I guess my first question is, is, well, you don't want us to ask, is that it? So I'm not sure if it's even necessary. Don't want to ask. Uh, like if, if I'm on the right track. Uh, in in those experiences. Oh, um, you mean if they are the right experience? It's no, no. It's not that I don't want you to ask. I, I let's take our time with this. So, it's I do really think it's important to differentiate between genres. Is that what we're talking about? Is that not? But um, I, I think all that stuff I was saying is just because people can get so hung up on where the division is and have I achieved it. Is the relationship with that question is not so helpful. If if it, you know, so it, but it may be really fine. Is that, is that the fourth? Are we talking about? You know, so uh, it's not categorically that I don't think there, or I'd rather people didn't get into it. I, I absolutely do think it's important. That's that. There's, you need to map out the territory for yourself. 
um, there are certain ways that people can relate to that and that's quite common in a way that's kind of fed um, that's really not so helpful. So I would need to hear more about those experiences just based on what you said. And again, br bring it to uh, an interview. Are we in fact meeting today? We are. We are. Yeah. So bring it, to bring it to the one to one. We'll find out a bit more about what's involved there. Because okay. what can happen is for, for someone who's done a lot of insight practice, um, as I was saying before, it, it, it might be that one drops in because of the te insight mindfulness, it's letting go, letting go, letting go. Equanimity is a result of letting go. Okay, y you get that, right? Equanimity is almost can be defined as the absence, or the let's say the relative absence, the relative attenuation of pushing things away or trying to grab on. In other words, it's a it's a relative degree of letting go, and equanimity is a, is a result of that. But another way of defining equanimity is a relative degree of letting go. And, and if you just keep letting go, aware, letting go, aware, letting go, aware, letting go, you will end up in some state of equanimity. Equanimity will arise, yeah? Does everyone un understand that? It's just, yeah. Um, whether that state is a jhanic state of equanimity, and technically speaking, equanimity begins in, in the third jhana and goes all the way to the eighth, actually. So we'll talk about this when we get to the formless jhanas. The Buddha sometimes describes um, the formless jhanas as kind of uh, almost like perspectives on equanimity or, or things you do with equan equanimity. But so where you are, I'd have to hear, hear more. That's one thing. The second thing is whether it's an actual jhanic state of equanimity. So, you know, again, relative to the, av the normal consciousness, any state of equanimity and stillness and peace and the mind is quiet and is going to feel like, wow, you know, we still don't know whether it's a jhanic one. So we do need to map, map this stuff out. And partly we need to map it out because, again, it might, it, it might give us uh, information about, okay, well, how do you need to move now? Wh what do you need to prioritize? Where's your playground? How do we need to uh, pr progress from here? What, a bit like Andy, what order are we going to move in here? Um, bottom dropping out from you, yeah, that can happen. I mean, one thing that can happen in the fourth genre is there's, there's, a, there's a real sense of sinking. Everything kind of goes down. In the fifth genre, though, um, the bottom can fall out and the floor falls out, like, like in terms of, because there's no solidity, it really feels like, oh, they've taken the floor away and there's just space, you know. So there's different kinds of bottom bottoms falling out, but uh, we can explore more, unless you, you have more now. So. The that was sort of a the setup for what's ah, happening okay. now. Me. Sorry, <laughs> I mean okay. I figured it was useful for people. So, okay. uh, w what's happening now is nothing jonic actually on this okay. retreat, for, uh, as far as I can tell. Um, nothing like those experiences in any case. Uh, it feels as though at times um, there's plenty of PT, um, sometimes plenty of sukha, less often. Uh, and I will feel that kind of the beginning of that dropping that I'm used to uh, and sometimes be able to even conjure it. And it feels as though it's, it's on the verge of entering a jhanic state. And what happens instead is that uh, I'm confronted by more intense, um, it's, I guess it sort of feels like energetic blocks in the body. Um, so as the resolution is being turned up and the subtlety and the sensitivity is being turned up, that's what becomes prominent and it kind of pushes me out. 
So you're turning up the resolution at that point? What, what resolution? The, the, uh, Very the sensitivity yeah. of the attention uh, is going up. It, it's sort of like all at once goes, goes up quite a bit. And how do you experience that? Um, how do you know it's going up? What tells you that? Uh, the PT becomes much more intense, uh-huh. at least in the times it's happened on this retreat. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, there's a sense of the PT becoming prominent and physical form becoming less. Mm-hmm. It's sort of happening now if I yeah. just relax into it. Uh, and yeah, so physical form becomes less, PT becomes more and pretty pervasive mm-hmm. over the body. Uh-huh. Uh, but at the same time, um, unpleasant emotion becomes emotion or f- sense of energetic the sense. In- the sensation of uh, that I associate with emotion, which I was calling an energetic block. But it's more of an emotion. Uh, well, actually, in this moment, it feels like sadness. Oh. Okay. Uh, but sometimes it just feels like a contraction, without much uh, emotion. It's, so it's not always the same thing, and it can be in different places in the body as well. Uh, it can be in different places. I wasn't realizing okay. that it's sometimes emotion okay. until now. So, again, we're in the context of a jhana retreat. So, uh, you know, in another retreat, I'd give a different answer. Um, but let's just say a few things for now. One is, um, uh, it, it looked like a little more opening could happen. In other words, that mode of more opening. Okay. Um, so here's the PT. It was building. It was there. It was pleasant, and then and then more opening to it. And and if there's movements, you know, let it come out out the top of the head, etc. Really go into that more uh, kind of hedonistic sunbathing mode, you know. But really, um, more, you know. So so really practice kind of leaning into that more and more. I think that itself is going to make a difference. Yeah, that's one thing. Um, second thing is, in the context of this jhana retreat, what we do with contractions and emotions that come up, remember, I, s- I think I said this on the opening talk, where, saying, okay, I'm not going to, my first choice is not to get too involved in that. So I give my attention more to where it does feel good. Yeah. Um, so it might be, okay, there's some contraction here, but actually up around here, especially when I open, it starts to feel better. And then you can play with all the ways we were talking about spreading. It's like, okay, let me later join this nice feeling to this not so nice feeling, you know, and just put them in contact with that imaginary. Those kind all the things we, we listed um might might really work um and, and be helpful there. Um you know, on another retreat we say sadness, okay, can we care can we go towards that? Can we open to it? Can we care for it? What does it need? etc. But the first choice on this kind of retreat is actually some you know, is is actually something else. So does that sound okay? Yeah. So really go if you've got notes, go through all the things that we suggested. Third thing to say is um uh how what's your is meta you're practicing with, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um I will say I haven't I I don't feel like I need to do it much of the day because Usually there's enough PT to work with okay. that I'm more in the energy body with the PT. Yeah. Okay. So there doesn't need much t- time with the base practice for the PT. Maybe a couple hours. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So are there times when the PT feels pleasant or you're actually a bit a- ambivalent about the PT? 
there are times when it feels pleasant. Definitely. And relative to the times it feels like, well, I'm really not sure I like this, what would you say? Uh, I would say it's 10% uh, incredibly pleasant, uh, like 60% mildly pleasant, and then 30% not sure. Okay. Okay. That's not bad. Um, so I was just wondering about whether you needed to bring in some of those other experiences that you had on the in some of those other states that you've gotten into on the insight retreats and actually let that help. But it doesn't sound like it. it sounds like the PT is fine. It's just sometimes getting into it. Sometimes you want to be playing with the relationship with the PT. As I said, it, it looked a little bit like more opening would be would be the thing. And when I say more opening, you know, these things are really like you know, we can have words like opening or paying attention, but you're really kind of, like I said, dial it up to 11, you know, if we're talking about opening. Yeah. So really, really kind of, what does it mean to kind of maximally open my being and surrender and abandon? And just that relationship with the PT, you're in a different relationship. Everything is a dependent arising, meaning how, how we experience PT and what it does depends primarily on my relationship with it. It's not like, you know, so basically, what we're, one way of thinking about what we're doing is we're playing with our relationship with the primary nimitta. That's all we're doing, and we're playing with our relationship with, you know, other things which allow the primary nimitta to arise. So, um, coming into a different relationship with something will will shape the perception of that thing. Yeah. So when we talk about this emptiness, dependent arising, playing with perception, we're talking about playing with the way of relating and noticing that the very experience, appearance, perception of this thing, in this case PT, changes dependent on my relationship. It's not always the case that there's a formula, okay, you always need to go into this opening mode. So what we need, again, is this kind of willingness to be responsive, to try this, to try that, ah, that's better. Okay, or that begins to, oh no, or that suddenly makes it much better or just gradually makes it better. But, but the very sort of willingness to be responsive and really try different relationships. So it, it might be a lot of the time um, that it's more of that opening, you know, really, really go into that opening mode. It might be that that's just sometimes and other times it needs something else, you know. So how does that sound? Yeah, but we'll still talk later. Yeah, okay, great, great. Anyone? Um, need any help with the hindrances? Or, or anything? And Nicole, yeah. Oh, is it you okay to take it? Thank you. This, I th I th I'm thinking of it as a hindrance. I think there's probably different ways to think about what happens, and it happens for me on every retreat, <clears throat> but for this one, it's really turned up, which is that um, I have a constant um, conversation, like I'm in an er interview with one of you about the experience as it's happening. <laughs> and um, in some ways, I really like it because it's kind of the way that I'm, oh yeah, you said this, so okay, I'll try that. And it's, it's so, in part, it's quite, a positive thing because it's a way that I'm experimenting and playing, but it also gets exhausting. Like it, there's a <laughs> there's a kind of a neurotic tendency to continue to keep doing that uh, throughout the day. So I've been <clears throat> since it's on this retreat trying to play with it as a kind of restlessness 
of the mind and open the energy body from the top of the head and see if it can get more space around it. And also trying um, the breathing and the counting in relationship to add more pegs. And I also went on a walk and and did a little inquiry around maybe some more psychological reasons why that might be. But it was really insistent. Okay. And when you say it's a neurotic tendency, does that mean that you feel, for instance, well, one question what I have is, do you feel like the tone of it is quite anxious? Or, for instance, are you saying, I'm trying to impress, or I'm afraid how they're going to judge me, or what's the... I'm just interested in those words, neurotic tendency, I suppose, just habit of mind. Or, you know. uh, yeah, uh, maybe it's more of a habit. Yeah, it's that's my habit, sense. Yeah. Yeah. So this is really, really common, just to, again, really, really common. Um, if it was more, it's like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm going to have an interview tomorrow with um, you know, someone and heavens yeah, what no, will we think? There's sometimes delight in S- somewhat. There's sometimes delight in it as well. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. The other one, I'm just kind of saying for the, for the teaching. Yeah. Um, if it was more that other one, then then we would need to unpack a little more psychologically, etc. But um, you know, back to uh, Ajahn Jeff's translation of Vitaka and Vichara, this evaluative thought. You know, it may partly be your way of processing processing and understanding your experience you know that that's part of what's going on and it does involve some kind of pondering and put you know that so i personally wouldn't be too too worried about it you know um what might help is actually writing down your questions or you know very very briefly or your experience just by doing that you're telling the mind look i've got this you don't need to keep rehashing it it's there i'll take it to the interview or whatever um, that might help just something like that kind of uh, reassuring the mind that it, w- it will get dealt with, you know. In terms of a more moment-to-moment level, um, yeah, I really, again, we can make so many things enemies that don't need to be, don't necessarily need to be enemies. If I think of, oh, but this is all about stopping thought, etc., then it's going to be regarded as an enemy. I, I wouldn't, I just wouldn't go there. I don't think it's a problem. And the only thing is that it feels like it's sometimes stopping absorption. Yeah. So what I was going to say on a, on a moment-to-moment level is that um, can I let it... So there's a difference between a thought arising and me being entangled in a thought. And me being, here's the thoughts going over there and it's dragging me along with it or I'm, I'm willingly going along with it. There's, yeah? So... If you're not clear on that, just that's something to notice. What's the difference between a thought arising and and actually being attached to a thought so we get dragged along with a thought and we move with it? Well, oftentimes there's still PT while it's going, and I can focus on the PT. Okay. But I have a desire for it to be quiet so that the PT can be more, I think, is... Yeah, I think think this, again, is like... It's totally understandable what you're saying. I just think in terms of strategy... Um, it's like, uh, like I said, well, when my, um, Ajahn Jeff, when, when one of my teachers started meditating, it was in a building site. I'm sure he had the de- desire that the, you know, whatever those machines are called, uh, demolition machines and all the rest of it, that they weren't there, but that was just there. And so it has to be in the background. Or imagine we were here and there was just a radio playing. And it's there, and okay, or we're having a conversation, there's a radio playing. It's just, okay, we'll deal with it. It's not, it doesn't have to be, we get into this, you know. If I get into too much desire of, I wish that would just shut up, then actually my attention is going over there in, in not a very helpful way. 
So if I can come into a relationship with this, just, okay, it's just there. It's like a radio playing. There may well be some useful material in it, as I said, about digestion and about what I need to remember and all that stuff. So you can, but you can take care of that by making the notes. And in the moment, or moment to moment, if you're trying for more absorption, just, just aim at what's the prominent thing and just get more, more and more into that. The, uh, the other piece is, remember what I said about th that we're drifting. It's, a, it's a, a subtle manifestation of restlessness. And, and the way it often mani or one way it often manifests is, is the mind does have more thought and it, and it tends to follow those thoughts a bit more. And sometimes that drifting is coming from too much effort. Okay, just a little bit too much effort is actually stimulating more thought in the mind and, and stimulating the mind to follow those thoughts. So it could also be an effort thing. And then of course if I get into a desire for it to go away and, and absorb more too much, then that can just add to the over effort. The usual thing is there's more thought, I need to try harder. It may be the case in some, in some instances, but it may be exactly the opposite. There's, there's more thought, there's more of this kind of uh, you know, threads unreeling in the mind or whatever. And actually what I need to do is back off more, go into a, a, s a softer mode, a more receptive, etc. So it, it could well be uh, related to that as well. Yeah, that, that makes sense because yeah. I am also working with over-efforting and finding the retreat really tiring. So I get most annoyed with the voice when I'm tired. Yeah. 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 Um, Look, this is, this is for everyone. This is hard work. Don't, uh, you know, sometimes it just feels, as I said, sometimes it feels completely effortless and it's great and it's all wonderful. And then, uh, but a lot of times it's going to feel like hard work. It's hard work, you know, uh, for lots of different reasons and in lots of different ways. So, but it, whoops, it might be that, um, just rescue this thing. Um, It might be that, yes, just, just a little bit too much effort accumulates to, to become very tiring after a while. Yeah, but this, like I said, it's actually, it's not like, oh, when will this effort question go away and I can get into the real stuff? It, that is part of the real stuff. It's not going to end. It will, just, it will actually just become subtler and subtler, this effort question. So we really have to get our view screwed on right about that as well. Um, and so, yeah, it sounds like uh, not that you need to stop meditating and go for walks or all that. So it sounds much more a question of subtle effort and learning to back off, learning to back off, which may be more about this opening receptive mode. It may be, um, yeah, stuff like that. Does that okay? <laughs> okay. Um, let me just share a note that I got, um, I think it was last night. Um, So someone was um, blah, 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 and then uh, I just wanted to share some practice. As I was listening to your talk, I think this was yesterday, I kept noticing some contraction and dukkha in the energy body. Finally, as you moved, moved into the Q&A, I decided to see if I could untangle or smooth out whatever was going on. Just a little reflec reflection on emptiness and some long breaths opened up a beautiful, peaceful tranquility. It was time for tea, but I continued to sit till my bladder suggested it was time to 
it was really time to go. I was inspired by what you said about carrying the jhana around, so I thought, why don't I try that now? I made it all the way to the loo, <laughs> and after that, through tea, fairly slowly, and into the lounge. I kept working, playing and re-establishing the jhana, or perhaps more accurately, the connection to the sense of tranquility. It was so easy, exclamation mark. I've really had a view of not being able to carry this kind of mindfulness concentration outside of the sittings very well, and it has been a source of some measuring and self-judgment. I felt some of this heal tonight. So I just wanted to share that, just A, for as an example of sort of skillful working with something um, that was initially a contraction and then can quite easily, quickly, this thing about quantum shifts happening quite easily, turn into something lovely, and then a long-term view of being inadequate or measuring oneself as not doing it, and actually something opens up and it's like, oh, actually this is possible for me, I can do this. Um, so the content could have been different, but in terms of the that general pattern, it's like not to believe this, I can't do this, I'm like this, I'm not built for this, or whatever. Uh, so it's so much an important part of this. It's like in time, conf confidence comes, confidence comes. Um, so it's really important. Uh, oh, there was something else, but, but Boaz asked yesterday about ekagata, and uh, I felt I could have said something else about that word. So that word usually is translated as one-pointedness, which I said was you know, a good translation. It's just that in English, uh, I think most people thinking of one-pointedness would think of one narrow spatial point. Um, and I said it better, the clumsy sounding translation would be with one thing prominent. And, uh, and Boaz asked, well, w w why is that a significant factor in the jhanas? Um, in the Abhidhamma, as I said, in the Buddhist Theravadan Buddhist psychology, maybe in the Mahayana as well, they would say every moment of mind has something that's prominent in it. The difference in the jhanas is, is that a jhanic state continues. Uh, it's it's a moment after moment after moment after moment. So jhana, that word, is related um, is is from the, the the Pali word jayati, which means to burn, and so. Um, people use that a jhana is like a candle burning steadily, or they write jhana will burn up your defilements. Either way, so but the point is, um, it's something c continuous, and uh, so this ekagata, what makes it characteristic of jhanas is it's moment after moment the same thing is prominent. So there's a kind of temporal extension of of what's prominent. If that's clearer, uh, yes. Yes, I think it's E K A double G A T A. And if you uh in the first edition of my book I I uh completely mistranslated it. Um so I, I changed it in the in the second edition because I had missed the double G and uh put I translated Eka Ekagata, um gone to oneness, like Unified, oh, but that's that's wrong. It's actually due to with one one prominence. Um, so I, I made that change. Yeah. Um. Okay. Anything else? Yes. Who's that there? Your mom, I yeah. I'm noticing that I keep falling in some stages. I don't know if it's a jhana or not. 
but I find this very tiring and very intense and I feel I can't stop it. And um, right now I was for kind of going, it's like a pulling, it, I get like pulled into some stages, I don't really know. Yep. Okay, so um, like we've been saying, that, that sort of, I don't, don't know quite what you're talking about, that sort of thing can be quite normal. We can get pulled into a hindrance, we can get pulled into a jhana, we can get pulled into some other state of that's more familiar from because of our meditation habits. So again, I would probably say come, come to a one-on-one and we'll really try and identify what those states are because mm-hmm. that identification will help us, will help yeah. guide us, okay, wh- how do you need to move from there? You know, sometimes it's not a bad thing. It's just, okay, now we're here a lot. Where do we, m- how do we move from there? You know, other times it's like, okay, we need to maybe help it not go there, in which case we need to try and do this and this. But we need to probably hear more about, about what, what it is, what those are. Yeah. This um, sounds quite helpful to know what it is yeah. and then to go. Yeah. yeah. So bring it to a one-to-one interview mm-hmm. and we can really hear more about it and get all of them or whatever, if there's more than one, and get used to, uh, get a sense of what it is and that will guide us in terms of how to respond. Yeah. But that sort of thing is, is, is very normal. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Good. Good. Think. Oh, um, uh, yeah, I already said it, but just to say, you know, if the PT is really strong and feels very sexual and like an orgasm, it's really, really, uh, completely okay. (laughs) And just enjoy it. Really get into it. Is that what you, yeah, yeah. Just, just really, um, so you see what Robert's going to bring to the retreat. (laughs) 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 Um, no, it's really important because we have this, this can't be right, or we feel like, oh, am I maybe emanating some kind of, um, you know, uh, weird sexual energy into the hall that's going to pollute the pure guy house, pristine atmosphere of, you know, renunciate celibacy and all that. It's it, completely not an issue. It's like, it's just a manifestation of PT. Open to it, enjoy it. All, the whole same thing applies. There's no, absolutely no shame in it. Uh, it's something to op- open to and, and get into, and it's doing good, good stuff. It's really good. Yeah, I think. Um, last one. I can't see who that is. Oh, okay. So, did, did did Danny have one? Uh, okay. Um, okay. Sabre, please. Um, just a clarifying question. I feel like I remember hearing you say, um, like Warren about elation and Mm. I'm wondering about the difference between um, elation and excitement and happiness and sukha. Yeah, thank you. Yes, I didn't need to repeat that. So the difference between elation, excitement, happiness and sukha. um, I don't know. That elation, I'd have to look up the original Pali and whatnot. It was something the Buddha, um, when he was talking to a small group of like super advanced meditators who were like working on psychic power meditation and stuff like that. And one of the things they were doing was, uh, what's it called? The, the clairvoyance, the sort of the eye, you know, seeing far away kind of in their meditation. And, um, one of the subtle hindrances was either you get excited at 
at being able to do that or what's opening up or it's new territory or what what you're seeing you know or whatever um so I don't know the Pali offhand, and I'd, I'd have to find it. I don't know, but my sense of it is it's something like excitement uh, is is probably the, the the closest thing. And excitement's an interesting thing. So if there's too much excitement, it can lead to this snatching, for example. Um, it's also it can cause a certain amount of agitation that disturbs the serenity. For those kinds of, we're really not going to talk about it on but for those kinds of powers and whatnot, it needs a very still mind, super, super still. So any kind of excitement there is just going to uh, t- uh, make the waters a little bit tur- turbulent, so it's going to be a, a hindrance relative to that. Um, so that's my guess is what the Pali kind of translated, I don't know, but that's my guess. Um, but excitement itself is quite an interesting, um, it's almost like an energy, li- like all these things, we go back to what I said with um, Jason, thank you. Um, uh, it's, you know, sometimes people come to me and they say, I have fear about X or Y. And I'm wondering if this is fear or excitement. It's actually excitement. And the mind ha- is relating to it in a certain way and labeling it a certain way that it actually becomes fear. It becomes an experience of fear. But at its, at its root, so to speak, if we... It's not a good word, but let's use it for now. At its root, it's actually excitement, or more naturally, it's actually excitement. So they have to learn to play with the relationship with it so that it can become excitement. And actually, the excitement can be you know, energizing, empowering, galvanizing, um, give you courage, all, all kinds of things. Yeah? But excitement itself can also kind of wobble, wobble in different ways. So an excited energy could become... Hap- bubbly happiness or pity you know it's quite c- so all these things are quite close and partly y- you know the different modes of relating to something like excitement um, will again shape the very perception so it becomes something else like there's no excitement and pity for example are very close so uh, and actually there's probably times when pity is even has even been in in the tradition of translating Pali to English, even been translated as excitement, I imagine, I think, vaguely remember. So it's very close, you know, and I would say part of the experience of the first jhana, especially at first, is excitement. It's super exciting, you know, for lots of different reasons, but the energetics of it, but also the sense of, wow, this is, look what's happening. Um, but, But the point is, we can come into different relationships with the energy of excitement, and that will actually, because of dependent arising, because everything depends on the way of looking, there's no independent appearance of anything it can shape it so it's in itself it's it's a very uh, it's open to malleability and you can shape it towards pt maybe you can even shape it towards sukha sukha i usually translate as happiness just i was thinking i'm not sure what karen had in mind when she asked yesterday but just because that seems to me the most the closest word in english to sort of encompass the territory that it includes but as looking back at, I don't have them here, but looking back at some of the English translations over the past, say, 30 years, um, there's been all kinds of different translations of PT and Sukha, and um, some of them even re- reverse what, what each means. And I, f- I find that a bit baffling, but um, I think probably as time has gone on, it's gotten more consistent. So I use that word happiness to translate Sukha, but you'll see as well when, when the third jhana opens, the kind of happiness that's characteristic of the third jhana, it's still technically sukha, but most people will never have experienced that kind of happiness. It's super serene. Um, and al- it's 
almost otherworldly, you know, not almost, it really feels like otherworldly kind of happiness in its, in its flavor and texture. So, but I just use that word because it seems to me the, the most sort of, the broadest sort of most stretchable word in English to cover what the, the different ranges of what sukha m- might mean. So sukha, excitement, PT, and elation, does that? Yeah. That's great, very helpful, okay, thanks. Okay, good. I think last one, and then, is that okay, D- uh, Danny? <coughs> so that that was helpful, actually, because that was uh, I've been experiencing a lot of that uh, kind of uh, excitement mm-hmm. today. Yes, yeah. getting in the way of my clairvoyance. <laughs> 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 um, and um, so, like you said, that we need to train attention at each level of subtlety. So I'm really noticing that it's like also. With like a lot of PT, there's a particular kind of papancha that comes with PT, like this kind of very inspired ideas, which seem really great, and I think they are, but they're a distraction from from the point. Um, so that's just that's kind of one part of what's going on. My base practice has also mostly been metta, and it seems like as there's a shift to to more subtlety, the kind of Habitual way of practicing metta doesn't work in generating the qualities that I associate with metta. So there's been this exploration of, well, how do I practice metta at a different, at this kind of level of subtlety? That's so. That's kind of one alive avenue of exploration. Uh, next to just and and maybe like moments of success, but not a lot of kind of sustained, like, oh, I've got that now. Um, there's just kind of generally a lot of PT, but but uh, just this kind of energy, and sometimes it's more kind of blissful or, or whatever. And so then also the question of like, um, well, if that's not working, and it feels like every time I try and do that, I'm kind of like trying to squeeze something, and it's not... Like I'm trying to use a gross practice at a subtle level, uh, so maybe I should just abandon that and just go with the PT or or do something else. Okay, so let me see if I understand this. And take, let's take the questions in the reverse order. Is that okay? So, um, uh, yeah, everything everything changes. Y- you know, I mean, in a certain way, things get more subtle, and then I have to learn how to how to work with that different level of subtlety. So. Even if this wasn't a jhana retreat, if it was a metta retreat, I would expect things to get more subtle, and you'd have to, okay, what do I do now that things are more subtle? Um, if there's a lot of piti, um, at that time, in the context of a me- metta practice for jhanas, um, y- you'd have a couple of choices. Okay, one choice would be, um, okay, let the metta go at that point. Let the, let the metta intention go, and if the piti is at least strong enough, you know, that it's definitely pleasant and stable enough, you know, it's there for a few minutes without disappearing and coming back. Then you can work with the PT directly and forget about the meta. Let the PT become the principal thing, okay? The second possibility, um, which is, would be confined to if this was a meta retreat and not a jhana retreat, would be that the PT itself then becomes, that is the meta. In other words, I'm feeling some really lovely stuff here. You have some. I want you to have some. And you radiate it out. And and anyway, you're bathing in it. So it's not like 
you get it and I don't if I'm having the PT. So the PT becomes the flavor of the meta and that's what you imagine radiating out. Um, so like I said, if, we, if this was a meta retreat and our intention was not to go to jhanas, or you know, if, if this was a long enough meta retreat, everyone would be experiencing PT and sukha and all the rest of it. And it would just be, okay, that's the flavor of the meta right now. So that's what I'm radiating. In order to radiate it, I still have to feel it. You know, at least that's the way I teach metta. I wouldn't just trundle through the phrases at that point. This is actually, this is the flavor that I want to share with you. This is why, and if that's super serene, subtle happiness, uh, like sukha of the third jhana, um, that's still the flavor of the metta. So I actually have to feel that, feel my energy body, and it's radiating out from every pore of my being, from the whole energy space. And, uh, you know, you can kind of do this and imagine it coming from your hands, you know. Uh, that sort of thing. So you get used to integrating the meta, the PT, and the bodily experience, yeah? If you want to keep the meta around, when you want to do that, with the PT. Other times, just get into the PT. Now, if it's if it's a question of, well, it's not so much PT, but there's there's more subtle manifestations of meta around, and I don't know how to work with them. I don't know how to... Is that Was that... Uh, unfortunately not. Oh. Uh, because it's like I can't conjure meta... Like a, it's, it's just kind of general well-being, but I can't bring up like that, those qualities at all, almost. Of meta. Yeah. Okay. So again. Except, sorry, just like not so much in formal practice, but if I'm like walking around and I have occasion to hold the door open for somebody, then that just like deeply touches my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. So again, it it may be, Danny, that the it's a question of intention. So on this retreat. Um, the fact that you just told me that there's there's well-being there, but there's not the meta, not a problem on this retreat, because you, you're going with the well-being. Um, if it was a meta retreat, we'd be like, well, okay, how do we how do we get the well be- how do we get the meta back? Yeah. So you have to kind of remember your intention. Remember what I said about intention on the opening day. It it, it makes so much difference, and even just a subtle um, kind of. Um, bifurcating or or shift in the in emphasis of the attention to so I'm, I'm, I'm worried about my meta now don't worry about your meta you have plenty of meta um, you can worry about that on a meta retreat about you know developing that more and more but um, a it's not something to worry about for you and b it's not something to worry about on this retreat so it's the well-being and you can let that be more primary yeah does that answer the question yeah, I think so yeah, yeah. What about the subtlety business? I didn't... Uh, yeah, I think you spoke to it. Okay. In terms of the first thing, yeah. So where there's PT, there's often excitement, and there's often all kinds of creative uh, ideas about projects that I'm going to do and stuff like that. Sometimes there's even more than that. There's actual, uh, I don't know what you'd call like creative, not just the idea to do something whatever, but actual, you know, you start hearing poetry or music or whatever. Second jhana, some, for some people, even more. It's almost like this spring that the Buddha talked about can be a spring of inspiration uh, and, and, and creative. You can kind of plug into something. Um, in a way, any, any, well, any of the first four at least. But um, So th- this is a big deal. Again, I, I, you know, I hesitated to even say that, what I just said. But again, really my invitation and hope and and wish to stress, we're on a jhana retreat, okay? At some point in your life, when you've developed a bit more of this 
jhana business, um, you might decide to take a retreat where you actually meditate for a bit, get in touch with that inspiration, write whatever it is that's coming, poetry, whatever it is, go back to the meditation, do that, and actually do that. That's great, you know. Doing that now will kind of pretty much abort your progress in jhanas. Um, so my, yeah, I think personally my real hope is that you'll, you'll all keep the intention. Like that's, that's why I'm here. Um, that's what I'm hoping to serve and support. But you can, you know, if you get into this, there's no reason why you can't have another retreat at another time. You go somewhere and for a week or whatever it is, you're, you're playing with that. And that's actually, but that's your intention. And then that's clear, you know. Here, if you really, if you really want these treasures to open up, you have to. It's what I said on the opening talk. There's something very, very powerful, much more powerful than we realize about keeping the attention really clear, um, and kind of single and, and steady. And you say, meta is a great intention. Um, even creative, I don't know what it is, but creative, they're all great intentions. But too many great pulling in too many directions, y you'll end up with. You know, not so much. It uh, connects to me to what you said, which I found really uh, galvanizing around this kind of soul, like gathering of soul power. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. There's a lot of, yeah, anyway, that's good. Yeah, okay, great, great. Let me just see, do I have anything else to... Mm. No, I think that's okay. So... Why don't we just have a few quiet moments together? Time for tea, and uh, see you soon. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.